I can probably turn my game down a bit. Yeah. Oh, hello. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm kind of ready. Yeah, I think mine's working. Um, I'm, I'm using the desk mic now, which I don't know if it's got a bit more hum, but it doesn't matter. And I can still hear you, so that's good. Uh, do you know what? It's fine. Do you know what? When I did the um, Smashing podcast about two or oh, three yeah. weeks ago with um, with uh, Drew, it wasn't, was it? I, maybe it was before Christmas, actually, or was it a few weeks ago? I've lost track of time. Anyway, when I did it with him, I tried to connect my mics and all kinds of things. Nothing would work. And I said to him, well, do you want to do this another day? And he was like, well, not really, because we won't have a podcast to go out on Tuesday and whatever day it was, like Friday or something. And I said, oh, right, okay. Uh, so it was kind of like, we have to do it. And I said, well, he said, I can hear you now. And I said, yeah, but you're hearing me on my um, my computer. I mean, the audio is probably dreadful. And he's like, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. So, you there know, you go. I mean, presumably it was okay. My um, problem is my is anyway. the fans. The fans just ramp up on my MacBook Pro whenever I'm doing anything like too uh, intense. So that would that would definitely get in the way. Ah, okay. I've now found out what that button does. It put, feeds the what I'm recording back into my ears, which is too freaky. Anyway, Don't do can that. I just... Can I share something with you? Of course. Yep, here we go. Simple note. Do you see this magic as a design strategy? Yep. That is um, the chunk of stuff that we discussed last night. Um, cool. You know, you know, stepping outside of existing interface design paradigms it is going to be a challenge because you've got this cultural baggage that's weighing you down. Um, and then I went off and did a bit of stuff about Xerox Park and Steve Jobs. And also the browser-based tools was another thing that we talked about last night. And that the um, Tim Berners-Lee sort of vision of the web is like pages scroll up and down. Uh, you know, left to right is like not normal, you know. Um, and also the page that you click a link replaces the page you're currently on. You know, it doesn't open it up beside you or, you know. So these kinds of paradigms are... Uh, are the problem that he's running into and we're all running into because we've been working this way for so long that it's very different. It's very difficult to imagine another way of doing it because you're constrained by, I suppose, your training or, you know, or how you've been taught. Yeah. So let's, yeah. Okay. I think this, so the thing is, I guess we'll tee this up as like the new podcast so we can get yeah. some context and then we can talk because we were going to talk about this subject of, of, well, you're trying to expand upon the idea of networked notes. At least that's what we yeah. start with from the other day. So we've did we. So what has happened? Okay, we had a break from the podcast. Um, I can't remember when we last did one, but anyway, doesn't really matter. We decided this is like the new version of Uneducators. It's um, version three, or yeah, it's definitely version three at least. It's to go with the number of lockdowns that we have. Um, so this is actually I never thought of that, but it sort of is a bit like that. Um, but yeah, um, I think the other main difference as well that's changed um, is that I now don't work for Belfast School of Art anymore. At yeah, this, all. yeah, this is the thing. Uh, the big change is that you stopped working at Belfast School of Art. You've launched the School of Design officially. That yep. is the thing. And we also had a conversation about the fact that we want the podcast to be a positive, positive earworm for people to go away feeling uplifted and, and, and thoughts provoked and all that kind of stuff. Whereas, um, not saying we did, but occasionally we like to have a moan and maybe fell into the trap of, of moaning and we don't want to do that. We want people to maybe, I mean, you can moan and be, and still give people positivity, can't you? But yeah, 
I think the main thing for me was that the focus of uneducators before tended too much to focus on education and not enough on design business. Uh, you know, at one point I thought maybe we should change the name. Uh, the reason that this all happened was I was talking to somebody on Thursday or Friday um, who was at a, an event where I was pitching um, my venture testing model, which is like this process of coming up with ideas and testing them. And this lady, she was the only person who was presenting on this day and dairy. It was all on the internet, of course. Um, but she was the only person who was presenting who I didn't know. Um, and so I emailed her afterwards and said, could we, you know, would you like to have a meeting? Um, and I think she thought that I, she talked about some post boxes, you know, outside post boxes that you stick on your fence. They're more of a rural oh, thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, they're also quite American. You have one at the bottom of your driveway. Yeah. Unless um, you've got a massive padlock on it, everyone nicks all your posts. Probably. And she, she had an idea for designing these and for various reasons. I, I thought it was really interesting because we were looking for a post box for Donegal. Um, and she thought I was wanting to meet with her to talk over zoom to discuss that and i was like no i'm actually want to talk to you about just what you do uh and she was like oh right okay um i think maybe she was thinking i was going to help her with her post what's idea i was like absolutely not that's not what i'm interested in <laughs> she said that her husband she used to work as a publisher this lady um and her husband um was doing a podcast he used to work for ooh, rte or something um, I mean, I don't really want to mention the names because I don't really want to go into it, into no, no. it but um, her, she used to run a publishing company. She was very heavily involved in content marketing. Uh, and I said, oh, I run a podcast uh, with you. Uh, or I said, I used to run a podcast um, because we hadn't done it for a long time. And she said, oh, my husband, you've probably heard of my husband's podcast. And I was like, no. Um, and it was called something like uh, that, that, that business podcast or something you know that business podcast you've heard of had a name like that and, yeah, and yeah. i remember looking at it and thinking oh well at least you know what that podcast is about it's about business and so when i when i started thinking about uneducators as a title i thought maybe that's a wrong title because it suggests that it's all about education but then i sort of thought well actually maybe we should stick with uneducators because it's like we both are rule breakers to a degree and we do what we think is right, which may not necessarily be what's in the rules. And I think the content that we could cover, you know, might be stuff that's not necessarily in the curriculum, but is stuff that we feel is really important to talk about. Yeah. So I'd wondered about like the design of business, uh, the business of design. And, you know, I just, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot on the table. If we just look at design and business and, and kind of life and ideas and where ideas, you know, there's plenty of us to, of, of things that we're both interested in that we could, that we could talk about. Yeah, definitely. And I think the other idea was that we want, well, I, I also felt that it would be good to allow this to be an extension of some of the stuff you're doing in the school of design. And so that we could have like sort of a, a longer conversation about some of those things that might inform future talks or stuff that you're you know the people that are in that school are interested in and just to kind of um make it more useful for you as yeah. well as me because i'm i like to talk about these things anyway because the, the the idea like coming up with great ideas and manifesting them in different projects products is something that i just like talking about anyway um so I think that's kind of the way we're going to do it. And obviously, I think we want to highlight the School of Design to get people to we, understand what that is. 
But we also want to highlight Node Noggin because that was one of the things that came out of last night's conversation. You know, there's definitely a place for a show and tell. Yeah. With you, with you doing that, because, you know, last night's conversation was super interesting. Because I think you need to talk to Jordan. I think that both of you would really get on like a house on fire. Yeah. Um, you know, because you're thinking similar things. And in the sense that Jordan's tool is your tool is messy by intention, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Jordan's tool is, you know, he's striving for that messiness. I think probably for context, we should explain yes. what that is. Yeah, let's um, go for that. And then, because I can also throw in, I think the thing is what I can do is, what is, um, you know, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to interrupt yesterday too much in terms of the thing. But there's a lot of research that I've tried to undertake that looks at where this paradigm has been moving towards. So maybe the context you can give, and then I can help just flesh some of that out that might also okay. prove to be useful to those. Cause I know that lots of people enjoyed yesterday's talk. Um, and I think that was, you know, it was a, it's scratching the surface of a, of an itch that I've been scratching for probably since 2014 or something ridiculous, you know? Um, so I don't claim to be an authority on this, no, but I hope I can do some, some breaths, you know? So I've been working on this page, uh, you know, uh, since last night. So what I've done is I've uh, put a link in here to, you know, you can see upcoming speakers. Um, and then I've put a link here, which is read the sum my summary of the key points. And I'm going to put the summary of the key points here. And then this whole page will act as a kind of a, a wrapper around last night's conversation. Um, last night, we had uh, Jordan Moore, who is the co-founder of Dawson Andrews, a Belfast-based design company who are working with world-class companies, including Toys R Us, uh, Danske Bank, Legom Magazine, which is by Elliot J. Stocks. Um, but what we were talking about wasn't Jordan's, more as a design, uh, Jordan's work as a designer um, working for companies like uh, Toys R Us. It was more to do with his work on uh, building a tool, which is around network thinking. Um, and the, the conversation kicked off around about... Um, March-ish of last year when the pandemic struck. And I don't quite know how we started having these conversations, but, you know, to cut a long story short, I contacted him on Zoom, on WhatsApp and then we jumped on Zoom and suddenly we were talking about Zettelkasten, which is German for index, card index or something. Um, and he was telling me about the Zettelkasten method. I had just been talking about um, The Second Brain by Tiago Forte. I think because you had maybe mentioned that to me originally um and all of this kind of milestone seemed to be focused around network note-taking uh webs of thoughts and just just you know yeah. there's been a lot of activity in that area and I, and I think that all took off around that time and i think probably why we had a conversation about it then was because rome rome research had sort of suddenly gotten a lot of traction um and it sort of pop, appeared out of nowhere. And I mean, again, mm -hmm. a lot of the people, a lot of people that I follow on microblog, uh, they're all interested in these types of note-taking tools. And I think it's fair to say, like one of the reasons that I've probably been interested in this for a long time, and, and probably the same as you, Chris, is that I think we've probably used every note-taking tool that has existed on every device going. Um, I'm not really because. I'm not quite sure why, but, you know, I like Markdown. And so I always was looking for better Markdown tools that could capture notes really quickly. And I, and I think that's born out of the fact that we when you when you think about things a lot, which as, as 
as a previous academic and as an academic, that tends to be our mode of operation is thinking a lot um, and it drives me balmy half the time. And so I need to get stuff out of my head <laughs> into something. And so being able to quick, you know, and if there was something I could type into that wasn't Microsoft Word, that didn't have all this distraction and whatever, then, you know, we, I, I think many of us have been hunting for that golden elixir sort of style note tool so a load of people i follow obviously have been using you know ulysses bear folding text task paper right room i mean I, you know there's so there's so many different tools that exi have existed at various points um that rome research popped up and the r big reason that people were getting excited about rome research was backlinks um at least that's what rome research called them Tell me more about backlink, backlinks, because that was one of my questions for last night that we didn't get a chance to ask, um, you know, because I put a list of reasons in the slides that I made, which were, you know, what I try to do with for anyone who's listening, um, who's new to this, what I try to do in the School of Design is one, invite interesting people to come and talk, uh, because because there's no budget, you know, I, we're not coming down with members, which that's a conversation for another day, because I actually think what we're offering for £95 is a bargain. And I think that might be a problem. I think people look at it and think, this must be shit, because like, it couldn't be as cheap as that. Um, and somehow I've got to communicate that I don't give a shit about money. Ergo, that's why it's that price. Um, but that's, a, that's, another, that's another topic for another day. But the other thing I've noticed from a year of doing this during the lockdown is that for example, when I went to Dan Mal, who's a super talented designer at Super Friendly uh, or Super Friends or Super something, but Friends and Super in some combination, he said, OK, I can do a, if you want me to do a founder fireside, which is what I call a designer talk. And there's a problem with the name designer talk because it rules out people who aren't designers. Well, we need to revisit that. Um, if you want me to do a founder fireside, that will cost you nothing. And I said, yeah, but I, my ambition long term is to pay speakers something. And he said, but, it, you know, I'll do that for you for nothing because you're a friend and you've supported me, et cetera. He said, but if you want me to do a talk, that would be at least a thousand pounds. And I found that with everybody else. So, for example, Saran Yitbarek, who's making Disco, which is an audio learning tool. Uh, have you seen Disco? No. We should put a link in the show notes to it because it is really interesting. It's by a lady called Saron Yitbarek. She used this to is, do... This is because the, the, the listeners believe that Chris will make show notes. I'm actually making some notes now. Um, <laughs> They're on so, a bit of paper. They're never going to make it to the computer screen. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, her name is Saron Yitbarek, and she used to do a website. I can't remember what it was called, she told me. And it was something about people getting started with code. Um, and this is her next project, Disco. And it, it's about technology, but it's not necessarily for people who are into, you know, it's not necessarily for developers. It's just for anyone. So, for example, if I open up uh, my browser and I go to find Disco, uh, which is one of my screens, and I will share it with you, Adam, so you can see the kind of content. So... Uh, if we go back to, to Disco, uh, I open a new browser tab and go heydisco.com, I think is what it's called. Um, yeah, so heydisco, H-E-Y-D-I-S-C-O.com. Learn tech topics on the go, in your own time, at your own pace through audio. So it's like podcasts, but it's more like lessons via the medium of sound. 
So AI and ethics, that's artificial intelligence and ethics, cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin and the blockchain, natural language processing and neural networks, clusters and unsupervised learning. And this was the first course, a gentle introduction to machine learning. So this essentially, if we go to the page with the course, it's like lesson one is going to tell us what we're going to learn. And then we're going to find out about how machine learning works, introducing algorithms, presumably for people who don't know what an algorithm is. Um, and then she goes on to, to, to unpack this. And this is uh, essentially what, like a one hour, no, a 47 minute course on machine learning. But it's not designed to get you up and running as a machine learning person. It's just to explain what it is. Uh, and for me, I saw in, immense value in it. Because, you know, when I spoke to her last week, because we just happened to have a conversation because she was doing some research uh, and she asked me, why, why was I interested? And I said, because designers need to know this. You need to know about AI. You need to know about machine learning. You need to know all these things. And in a sense, that's what the School of Design is here for to teach. Right. Um, and, you know, I said to her, I'd love her to do a talk. And she was like, just to be clear, her immediate reaction was, yeah, of course, that sounds great. And then two seconds later, when I kept using the word talk, she said, just, just to be clear, I mean, I don't have the time to do a talk. And I said, oh, no, 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 it's actually, no, I, I do everything. Um, and so we've managed to get the system that works where I, you know, I'll talk to somebody for 10 or 20 minutes and I'll kind of know what I've got to do. And then, so for example, if you came to last night's talk, which was about network note-taking, I did a short introduction before we started on why network note taking is important. And, you know, I do the heavy lifting and then the rest is a conversation. Yeah. So. And you asked about backlinks. Yes. One of the questions I had, thanks. God, you're amazing. I remember this stuff. One of the questions I had was like, tell me more about backlinks because I don't really, you know, to me, like last night I was saying, you know, all traditional links go forwards. You know, you, you load the page on top of the page you were just at. But backlinks are kind of going backwards, but that's not really what they are. And like, what's the hoo-ha over backlinks? Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. And I think it's so the original. So originally, Ted Nelson uh, had pioneered this hypertext network project called Xanadu, spelt with yeah. an X. Uh, and one of his pieces in that was the idea of two-way links. That's what he called them. Um, and I can't recall if this is connected to his idea of transclusion but anyway I, um but basically the idea was you'd have two-way links so you'd know you'd be able to know where you've gone uh, where you're going and you'd be able to go back and one of the reasons for that was that he he liked the idea that you could actually allow uh like payments between producers of digital content so that there was this kind of to and fro and so that mm -hmm. was his his idea was around some of that that you'd have these two-way links uh yeah and he just felt that this would allow for effectively for micro payments in some way um okay but so it, didn't we have... really, it didn't really work out that way but but everything he showed it shows in xanadu is this idea that you can see where you when you click on something it opens up in another space and you can see where you've come from and you can kind of move between but his the transclusion bit was was even deeper than that in a sense that you could if there were if you included some work from another source you could see so if you quoted something you could actually follow through to those sources and you could see through and again the idea would be that maybe some sources might be actually uh ob, you know 
uh, you couldn't see you couldn't view them until you made a micro payment so that if i wanted to write something and i was citing like all the stuff by chris murphy or whatever then i could set it you could set it in a way that you'd be like yeah please do cite me but anyone that wants to like read that would make would make a micro payment for those pieces of transclusion um, which added obviously a interestingly a different type of business model to what the web would become um, so that's my that's my rough understanding how it's been implemented now again in most you know notion now has it obsidian has it rome has it everyone seems to have now got this idea of bi-directional links so they just have a sense where they've come from where they've gone and, and most software i don't know i don't know how notion shows it actually but most software will now show like a um a graph view uh, so you get like a force directed visualization which i'm i'm not a big fan of personally but you get this this network uh, and then oh i was going to show I, you yeah yeah and i think I, i'm just looking to see what the notion one i think it says um if i go to the pages playlist yeah oh which is bizarre because like here yeah see the way it says here at the top three backlinks when you click on that you'll see what page is linked to this so BBUI, Studio Membership, and Revised Membership all link to this page. But there is a preference that you can set, I think, that increases the visibility and decreases the visibility or, or something. Um, what I find a bit weird is if I go into here, you know, this is linking to lots of things. Like this page is linking to here, right? But we don't see those backlinks there. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I think again, I've not I've not so, sat and played with this too much. Clear, clearly, I'm... in Notion, if I go to Talks and Workshops, and then I click on Designer Talks twenty twenty one, right? Talks and Workshops should be up there as a as a backlink, right? And I am presuming that there is maybe some kind of. I was kind of wondering, was there a setting here? Customized page, okay, backlinks um, expanded, okay, but where are they? See, do you know what I mean? I've just clicked on this setting that says customize the page and show me the backlinks and expand them out. Right. But you know, they're not there. So great. I've done my settings for that, but no, there's no sign of them. Where if I go to this one, which is where we saw them or was it this one? Yeah, here we go. So backlinks and then go into the preferences for the page customize page and say backlinks are expanded right so this is much more intrusive as in right it's right there this page here before you get to the content i mean most of the the, of the listeners podcast aren't going to understand what we're talking about because we're looking at a browser screen uh or we're looking at notion but essentially the idea of backlinks is that you don't just see the links that take you somewhere else. You see the links that brought you to this page, even if you didn't actually come from those links, which I think is the interesting thing, because you may have landed on a page through Google or DuckDuckGo or something, and you did not necessarily come to that page from the backlink pages. Yeah. So you can start to see the context. For me, I think the word that I felt most described this was context 
was that you see everything in context. So you've got a paragraph of text, and this was definitely Ted Nelson and the Sanadu thing. You've got a little bit of information, and you're now getting the context, which is the other information around that information. That you know. So as a as a writer, for example, I might in the notes, as we just saw a minute ago for Jordan's talk last night, you know, I've exerted a small bit of text from a page which is at Stanford, but I could. I could maybe hover over that page and then that whole page would appear, right? I don't know that this whole space of network note-taking because of Rome, because of uh, Obsidian, because of TiddlyWiki, et cetera, has exploded yeah. um, and, and is huge. And one of the things that I thought was interesting about last night's talk as well was, you know, we had 50 something people who came along, which for us is quite a lot. You know, normally it's 30 or something. There's about 30 something people in the School of Design. Um, and we had a lot more people who came. Um, and it really made me start to think, do I need to change the focus of the school? Not not completely throw the baby out with the bathwater, but thinking and tools for thought are clearly, you know, an area that people are interested in. Yeah, no, I definitely. I mean, I think it is, you know, but what, because it's interesting, like you say, is the idea of like, so suddenly we get a bunch of text tools that are implementing something that's been thought about, you know, obviously Xanadu, but then you can go, you know, Vannevar Bush, you can go back further. It's the, it's the people who are playing with the first um, interfaces for, for human computer interaction. And they imagined other ways of kind of interacting and predominantly other ways of interacting with, with information. And if you go back far enough, uh, we see that um, I think William Playwright wrote about the fact that you know one of the things that we're going to need to work out is how we how we understand and manage the wealths of information that exist, because that will be the thing that helps us to kind of push on the human race. And at the beginning yeah. of the you know the computing revolution, they really felt this would be a way that we could extend and augment ourselves. And I think people are just getting back into that. Uh, seem to be for yeah. all these reasons um and i mean notions about page you know all of it is all about ted nelson so that i mean i i've in terms of what they they they've is done yeah, yeah yeah if you go to notion dot so slash about uh they talk about um the the paradigm of files and folders coming from typewriters and the printing press and 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 go through you know and sort of put it that way i don't think they quite i mean it's a different type of tool notion. Uh, oh, wow. I've never seen this page before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. yes. I, so I it's, actually, it's, it's really interesting because conceptually it's, it's fascinating. And it talks about, you know, as people flooded to factories during the Industrial Revolution, many tools were invented to ease the management overload. Yeah. Uh, typewriters replaced illegible handwriting. I think they make some connections between the Industrial Revolution and typewriters really quickly that are, you know, a little bit more... It's only that. it's only an about page, but yes, I know. Yeah, quite... I know. I mean, if your about page is going to go into like a history lesson, then you know maybe. But what's nice about that page is it does make me looking at it. I'm just going to share it with you, so that at least we have a shared experience here. Um, what's nice about that page, though, is it it's very like um, note. It's very like noticed. You know the way that notice does its. Yeah, it's very nice. So if I go in here and go down to mr murphy um oh you're kidding me really um normally i've got so mr murphy and then i go into say the interview 
which is a deck I've put together on content marketing. It's very similar. Yeah. You know, picture over here, text goes over here. Um, and then they're doing the same like this. We did try at one point, I don't know if I told you this, but I did try at one point getting Jasmine, who is my placement student, to, to build like this in Notion and put all of the images onto a Notion page like Notion are doing here. The mm. problem was that look, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's nine pictures there, right? Or so nine slides, let's say. But with this, there are, you know, a lot. <laughs> you don't know what slide that's. There's 35. And it just it just weighed down the page too much. Uh, and it just took too long to load. Um, so there you go. So did they mention Ted Nelson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple of times. Um, oh, but he's... things didn't turn out that way. As the legend goes, when Steve Jobs borrowed the ideas behind the personal computing from Xerox Park. And I just talked about that this afternoon on the notes for, for yesterday's talk. Yeah, and they wow. referenced the three key, like they referenced Alan Kay, Doug Engelbert and Ted Nelson, yeah. you know, um, and I, I think there is a, I mean, I've been writing this down a bit, but I, cause, um, there is a bit of a romanticization of these characters, it seems as well, but I mean, yeah. you know, so there's also that, um, but yeah, but the thing is there is, um, yeah, interesting. Uh, I mean, they, uh, pick on, I... they pick on Steve Jobs a little bit there for that, for stealing the Xerox Park stuff, which we all kind of generally know, whatever. But the GUI was kind of ca happening anyway. But there's another talk where he talks about a bicycle for the mind, you know, and yeah. I, I think that, you know, he knew, he understood the power of computers. And I think if you took something like the iPad, which I, which we understand he was very keen on in terms of input and stuff like that, in, uh, you know, um, but they obviously had to start with the phone. I think he he felt that computers were about augmenting, yeah, people. You know, and, and and you know, a lot of people kind of we've really drifted from what the main topic was, but then that's par partly our style, I think. Um, a lot of people sort of like there's this kind of myth that you know Steve Jobs went to Xerox Park, stole all the stuff, and came back with you know the the, the things and sort of basically Steve Jobs entire career was nicking other people's stuff and riding on other people's coattails. So, you know, Steve Wozniak was really the genius and all that Steve Jobs did was kind of market it and put it in a nice box, etc. But I think that when you hear the bicycle for the mind uh, talk um, where he talks about the bicycle for the mind, I mean, Steve Jobs is not like some lunatic crazy guy who just nicked other people's stuff. I mean, he's super, super smart. Um, and so when we fall into the trap of, doing the Xerox part thing, which I did myself, although I unpacked it in a footnote, I might add, um, you know, ah, it's interesting. You said, so they talk here about, um, they dreamt of a future where computers could amplify imagination. I love that. Amplify yeah, imagination. but they did. I mean, they did. Um, they really did think, you know, uh, Richard uh, Link, Link Lider writes about, you know, um, hum well, human computer symbiosis. And mm -hmm. he felt he thought that would happen by the 70s or 80s. You know, um, obviously it didn't, you know, um, and a lot of people attribute some of this stuff to the fact that it went down this route of replicating effectively the office. So Ted Nelson mm -hmm. in 2016 says, says conventional electronic documents were designed in the 1970s by well-funded conventional thinkers at Xerox Park who asked, how can we imitate paper? And yeah. so he was like, okay, that's where they went. Whereas they were thinking not about 
imitating the office environment or, or productivity and this is something that i think is also really important the other there was a bunch of other people not thinking about productivity they were thinking about how do you augment thought so how do you create tools for thought yeah so it's a different so there and, and what most people are saying at this point is that the the, the history of computing went down the route of replicating the need for productivity mm-hmm. and uh, and so the tools that we have tend to revolve around this idea idea of productivity now the, as we know the productivity tends to focus on outputs yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah so yeah. how do you get to the output well you need to know what you're doing before you start whereas tools of thought and thinking you you don't know where you're going and so you need something that helps you to go somewhere and so there's another podcast on the muse app where um the the woman on there talked about the fact that if you look at any design tools like all every, every design tool that you have the first screen it asks of you is what do you want the output to be you know it's like do you want it to be an iphone an ipad or um you know, is it going to be a book? It's like that's like it's the first thing I ask you, but that's predominantly because the idea would be where would your ideas be? Well, they'd probably be in a sketchbook. They'd probably yeah. be on the desks of the studio. They'd probably be all around you, right? And then when you figured that when you figured out that stuff, that's... you'd come to the you'd come to the production machine and you'd make your thing. But yeah. all these other people thought actually, isn't there something in the computers that could help? augment what we do and think rather than it being a production tool and somewhere along the way maybe that got a bit uh, a little bit lost i'm not saying that computers are wonderfully powerful amazing things and whatever and, and so i'm not i'm not you know and they made the great choices based on certain things constraints restrictions business you know etc etc so but we seem to be coming back to that idea of how do we allow computers to help us uh, expand our minds yeah yeah and and actually most of that text that's on that page is they dreamt of a future amplify imagination augment intellect and move beyond paper um you know these are tools that we haven't seen uh before and did you see uh, oh brooklyn beta or beta as my american friends call it the i think it was the last brooklyn beta or maybe it was the fourth i can't remember but anyway one of them ted nelson spoke at and it was just mind-blowing. I mean, it was amazing. And he's like a really interesting guy, completely batshit crazy. But, you know, crazy in the sense like um, Back to the Future, the, that, that guy in Back to the yeah, Future, yeah. you know, the professor guy. Um, I, yeah, this is all super interesting. And I feel like we lost our way with some of that. And that's one of the points I was trying to touch on in the reflection of the notes from last night, which was, you know, the, the, the web, as Tim Berners-Lee saw it, was very much a kind of like, you know, it was a particular thing. And it's very hard to imagine what that looks like when you're constrained by that particular thing. And one of the interesting things like that came out of last night's conversation with Jordan was, you know, you're pushing against the grain of the, of you know, he's having to try and do things in a browser that browsers are not normally used to do. You know, normally it's like, if you want to make some text and make it scroll up and down, no problem. Do you want to make some links to go to another page? No problem. Super, super easy to learn. Markup is super easy to learn. It's incredibly powerful and it does leverage links, yeah. but it doesn't leverage the back links and the bi-directional links. 
And it also doesn't really allow you to, 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 to kind of like align things side by side or, you know, to, to, to layer things up or to, to explore spatial, um, spatial layouts. And so one of the things that Jordan was talking about, which I thought was really interesting was this multidimensional note taking, uh, in terms of like left and right or up and down. And I thought it was really interesting that he had the keyboard shortcuts that would point the arrow down as in your, your next note will go down here or it will go over here. And then when he started to explore color, I thought that was fascinating as well. And, yeah. you know, it's clear that he's putting a lot of thought into what he's building. Um, yeah. I, mean, I was talking thing- God, no, yeah. Chris, I just want to cut, touch on a couple of those things in terms of design, because again, I've been think, uh, seeing this and thinking about this. He, I mean, it's really interesting when you see designers, and I don't know if he, I don't know if he plays games or as a gamer, but he made reference to using the WSAD keys, yeah, right. And in lots of the things where I'm looking at these types of tools and whatever, there is so many references that they make to game design in terms of like its approach to interfaces, its approach to intuition and all that kind of stuff and adding in those kind of elements and and i've been saying i've, I've always thought about it for a while that game there's a place real positive place for game design and I, I saw it a long time ago in terms of the broad reach in terms of design thinking um but i think it's really starting to happen with some of these kind of tools and i even had uh, i think someone who was on the call i think it was one of my alum, yeah one of my alumni was on the call yesterday and um what was they were, what was their name andrea and she replied about you know how maybe that he that he could use sort of unity technology to sort of add in some of that because he obviously touched on this idea of, of um, extending it to sort of virtual or augmented reality, um, which has, I mean, that's a bigger, what well, I, mean, I that, found frustrating. We can take that somewhere in a minute. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Or, an, that, or, or another yeah. episode yeah, uh, yeah. or another episode. Um, what I thought was interesting about the whole thing, I'm going to ask him if he's a gamer. Um, what I thought was interesting about the whole thing was that he's doing this all in his own time. You know, he, he's a co-founder of a quite large uh, design studio, which is yeah. doing really, really big work. And as he said himself, when he came on the, the call, he'd had a really busy day of Zoom calls and they'd started the morning off thinking, holy moly, something was going down the toilet, but it had then turned into an opportunity, et cetera. So he's incredibly busy as head of design at Dawson Andrews. Then he comes home and, or walking up a mountain as he showed a Scrabo tower, um, <laughs> is thinking about all this kind of stuff. And it's really interesting. I, I don't know if I still have the recordings presumably i do i don't know but you know he would send me these really long voice notes where he was out walking and he would just hit the hold down the thing and say so another thing i'm thinking about is if we spatially arrange things and we use color for example and the, you know he just talks and talks and talks and talks and I, some of them were so long that it was quite daunting and i was thinking like god i need like 10 minutes to listen to this note because you know, I can't just play it, you know, as I'm doing other stuff, I really need to concentrate on it, because they were full of really good stuff. And I think it was actually, um, you know, and I need to write this somewhere, but it was through that conversation with Jordan, that I really started to think that there was the potential around designer talks or, or talks with other people through listening in on a conversation, you can learn an awful lot. And I, th- I think one of the things I find a bit frustrating about the designer talks, so I definitely need to change the name, um, is my brain can't keep up with the speed of, of the things. So sometimes I sound like a complete moron. I mean, I say some things that are ludicrously stupid um, because my preferred medium is writing uh, where I have a little bit more time to think. Um, but 
it was it was all absolutely fascinating and so when people were talking about unity or vr or that guy alan who said you know you it's not so far out of reach as you think um he's doing all this in the evening he has a family as well um you know and i just found it fascinating the whole thing you know but i mean what's the benefit to people who are you know listeners of uh uneducators i mean and also rewinding a touch because we didn't really do an introduction what is uneducators now it you know it was a podcast about the the intersection of design technology and business but with education at the heart and i think that that's changed i think it's a a podcast about design technology business and life or design technology life or something it's about all of that stuff um some of it that's not really taught in classrooms but that we're interested in i think it's just a conversation around how design impacts everything we do and what happens to be as far as i'm concerned most um most of the design that we have to undertake now involves some sort of connected device and so that has impacts and for me the big for me the big thing is that that um these these devices are do are supporting us in numerous ways and that they i they don't currently yet support us in the ways that we that really extend us and that i think that's why people are getting excited about it and i think design everything in this, as you know because everything's designed everything right yeah um, just writing down on this piece of paper here because uh, i'm thinking about a strap line for the for the podcast design is everywhere and in uneducators, we go some of the places where design takes us. You oh, know, nice. maybe there's something around that. And I think that actually could be it. something. We need to write it a little bit. But, you know, one of the posts I wrote, do you know the everything uh, bundle on Substack? No. It's by two guys, Dan Shipper and Nathan Bashir. It's really interesting. Um, and I've been writing about them for a while on my blog that's not actually public, uh, which I'm really struggling to try and get out there. Um I wrote a thing called design is everything or design is everywhere. Um, if you give me a second, I'm going to try and find it because it's, it's super, super important. Uh, where is it? Design is everything, right? Um, I talked about the reason it was called design is everything was because I was talking about everything, which is a bundle um, of newspapers, uh, not newspapers, but, you know, Substack newsletters, um and i said i love everything it has fast become my news my new newspaper of choice with its focus on business through the lens of now i'm also hugely appreciative of dan shipper and nathan bashez's generous support of my work through a gifted subscription to their bundle they, they they had announced and said look you know if you can't afford this let us know um and i contacted them and said look i'm an i'm a teacher I spend a lot of money on books. I'm just about to quit my job. Um, I'm trying to teach as many people as possible for as low a cost as possible. And I think your magazine newsletter thing is amazing, um, but I just can't afford to buy all these different things. And I just don't have the money. And I don't, the reality is, you know, in the past I did probably have the money. And now I just don't, you know. And they were straight away, um, actually Dan got back to me straight away. And I said, here's some of the things I've written where I've mentioned you in the library. Um, and he straight away got back to me like two minutes or something and said, uh, just put this code in here. You can have it for free forever. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Contrast that with Rome Research. I checked my uh, email yesterday after the oh, yeah. talk because um, I'd applied for the, um, the the scholarship. No, no, thing. wait, 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 wait. Let's rewind first. Whoa, okay. Because there's more of that, isn't there? So Rome Research comes out and I'm like, oh, look, it's free. So we get on it. 
And then the, then it goes to the paid model. Oh, and yeah, you, sorry. And you, and you paid, didn't you, for, for the, one of the versions at the very yeah, beginning? By, by mistake, actually. Um, yeah, I think yeah, I yeah. signed up and then suddenly I saw the you money. You charged. Back. And I was like, whoa, I, you know, I do not, I, you know, I just was trying it, um, you know, and also doing Obsidian and, you know, looking at Tiddlywiki. So you you were well. chasing a refund of that originally. So you chased a refund. I remember that took a little longer than expected. Yeah. I'm and to me, you got the refund. I I think so. I'm not 100% sure. I'm just a bit, I'm very disorganized is the problem. Um, and also Cara does all the business as well because uh, I'm just rubbish at it. But to be fair to Connor White Sullivan, I did send him a message on Twitter and said, you know, what can could somebody reply <laughs> to me? Um, and he was very, no, he was really nice. He said, I'm really sorry. You can imagine we're scaling super fast. It's really difficult. And you, you don't worry, you will get refunded. So that was really early on. I was like, okay, hopefully. And I think I did did. did get saying you're getting your money, but I'm pretty sure I'm not sure anyway. And then I filled in the scholar thing for scholarships. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you went and applied for. Well, 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 before we get to the scholarship thing, um, it was free and then suddenly it became paid. Is that, was that your, when Uh, you started? No, basically there was, they were working out what the, what the cost was going to be. So I started on. I started before there was any indication there was any cost. So it was free to join. And then they introduced okay. they introduced a subscription mod, mod uh, model, uh, mm-hmm. and basically, if you had a, an existing Rome space, you could continue yeah. to use that space for free. Um, and I don't know what it, I don't know what my limits are, but there's certain limits that I've I've got because I've got the original free, and you could basically upgrade to the the subscription one if you wanted to but for it's i i wouldn't i don't think it's value for money for me so i didn't i didn't want to do it and the scott and the education one is um early, early career researchers uh yeah i'll under, tell you it's, i've got it on 12, my under like 12 i did like, i said yeah <laughs> I, I, I i contacted them about that so uh rome scholars program is what it's called we are committed to keeping the gates of rome open for scholars lacking financial stability. And like, if you'd asked me this a year ago, I would have said lacking financial stability because I had a half-time job at Belfast School of Art. And that's always had a bit of stability. Now I have no stable income um, other than what I make going out there and busking and, you know, <laughs> trying to being an itinerant teacher, basically like Socrates or something. Um, yes. You may be eligible for a significant discount if you're a full-time researcher under 22 years of age. I think the mistake we made was we read that as being all of these things must apply. Um, yes. And I think it's full-time researcher or under oh. 22 years of age or experience significant financial distress. Because of the use of the word okay. or means that I think that these are three different things. Um, so it's not like you're a full-time researcher under 22. And yeah. Um, so I... <laughs> Yeah, so I filled it in and said, you know, I think I fit these criteria. Um, and I got an email, which I actually did get the email quite a while ago. Um, and I only looked at it last night because I was so busy doing so many things and teaching and marking and actually finished my marking two days ago, Adam. I never have to do marking again. I'm so excited. Um, it's I've got a whole so- batch of marking coming up right now freed up so much time anyway um professional is 15 dollars a month yeah or 165 dollars a year 
Okay. okay. And then there's a plan called Believer, which I actually think is really interesting. And it's I want to write quid one or something, is it? Yeah, it's five hundred dollars. Now, I have a memory somewhere and I'm pretty sure I've got a screenshot of this because the Believer idea, I was like, yeah, I need to write an essay on that because, you know, if someone's a believer and they can pay five hundred dollars and get this incredible deal, it's really good for your cash flow, um, you know, and it's really good for them as well. Now, it says now, believer $500 for five years. I think it used to be a believer was $500 forever. Yeah, it definitely was for life. And, and for people who don't know, I've seen Chris when he's working on something and, he's, and he gets excited or interested. He's a screenshot m- machine. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like... I know, do, do you know, uh, it was really funny because uh, one, one afternoon in Propel, um, somebody said something about me and screenshots or something. And I was like, whoa. And I thought they were accusing me of, you know, surreptitiously taking screenshots or something. And I said, I didn't... So, and I was really concerned because like, you know, sometimes some of the founder fireside people don't want you to record anything and they don't sure. want, you know, and so you've got to be really courteous and not look like you're doing naughty things. And I was like, Whoa, what are you talking about? And they said, Chris, you're constantly screenshotting stuff. And, and I was like, well, yeah, that's like part of my job. Uh, you know, and I mean, anyway, I thought, so I, I thought I was semi bad and I, I used to, and again, I've got a hundred different tools that were, that were designed to organize my screenshots. Um, yeah. and none of them, none of them ever worked. And again, that's, yeah, but that's another that's another connection to this idea of organizing your thoughts. But, um, uh, yes, the, pro- the problem like, is screenshot, sc- screenshot, 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 screenshot. <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> my screenshot folder has got 4,105 items in it. Now bear in mind as well, that some of those are, um, you know, Oh, sorry. Some of them are folders full of stuff. Um, so there's quite a lot of stuff in, uh, so you what know, was yours again, Chris? Folders. Say again, what so was that in your, sc- in your screenshot folder? What are you at to on that Mac? 4,108 now. Yeah, see, I thought I was bad, 2,936. So, you see, that's like a 1,000 plus more. Yeah, I don't know when we started talking about Rome. It must have been last year around probably January. It definitely said lifetime. It definitely said for life. I remember people talking about There's a guy called uh, Jack Batty, I think that's his name on Microblog. Really interesting guy. Um, It was was for life. Yeah, I'm sure he's, I'm sure he just, insta purchased that because he was like well into it and he's been using it a lot and he's big, he was a big fan of tiddlywiki and still uses that um it was for life and i'm looking through my screenshots i mean i'll have to i'll have to do a lot of the internet archive will have it so it doesn't whatever connor's done he doesn't matter it's like too late and and actually <laughs> and actually frankly it doesn't really make any difference to us anyway no, no, but um it's funny because no, and that's fair enough know. they're allowed to change their business and if, if it's their business it's their model yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I, as we were talking there, I was thinking if that's still 500 pound for life, I'll just pay for that because I've heard so many people saying it's so good. Um, but I just, I'm not paying $500 for five years because you're asking someone as a believer to, to take a leap of faith. And I suppose their rationale would be that, well, now they've established themselves. They're not going to suddenly disappear. Oh yeah, I guess, but it's like, then it's a hundred pounds a year, which is still, it's still quite a lot of money. It's a lot of money. The reason I think it's a lot of money is it's a lot of money for a text-based tool. And it's a lot of money for a text-based tool that predominantly stores your tool, your text in the cloud. That- yeah, that was that was one of my concerns that I wanted to sort of talk about. Um, and it was another idea that I wanted to lift last night because one of the questions I had for, for Jordan last night was Rome versus everything because that does seem to be where it's at 
just now. It's kind of like all these tools that are kind of like Rome, um, but Rome has got the mind share and the the it's velocity. Got massive, well, it's got massive VC backing. It, it does, but it also has a cult behind it as well. And I don't say that as a joke because, you know, there's hashtag Rome cult and it's like hardcore. You know, those people are really into Rome. Um, yeah. You know, and that, that guy, Dylan, who was on the call last night, who asked the question, yes. he, he, he wrote about that. You know, he talked about the fact that the community, Rome cult, et cetera, is what is driving this forward, uh, you know, in terms of people's perception. And one of the things that I, the points that I was making in the slides was that when you get someone like Anne-Laura LeCouf of Nest Labs, who's got, yes. uh, you know, 20,000 followers or 30 or whatever it is, um, you know, if she starts talking about these kinds of things, people get interested because she's a lot of people following her. And yeah. I think that that's another reason that this has become a big thing. Um, and, yeah, and also... She's done a lot of re and her research in thinking with maps and whatever ooh, is... Um... Yeah. It's really good, you know, and so she's she's in the right space. And so, yeah. And l returning to that, let me run something past you um, for the, you know, because for the last year I've been experimenting with the School of Design. And I have to say just on this episode as well, um, Adam, this morning, where is that? Uh, Adam, this morning said... Hang on, how much is the Rome going to cost you? That's what I want to actually know, though. Did you get the scholarship? Oh, then? I did get the scholarship. I, do you know what? I believe I actually may have taken a screenshot of that, um, which I will go... <laughs> Even though it's uh, an email that you've got in your forever. Screenshot. Yeah. <laughs> no, but some things do disappear. Internet Archive does have some missing data. Yeah, here we go. I've got a screenshot of it. Um, Rome Scholars Acceptance. Congratulations, you have been accepted onto the Rome Scholars Programme. Thank you for your thoughtful Yeah, thank you for your thoughtful application. You have received a 50% discount for one full year. Okay. So it will cost me it's locking, 80 right? it'll cost me 82 dollars 50 uh for a year. And you know, that might be worth spending for the what do you think? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I think it's just, there's a lock in there. I don't. Okay. So well, I'll put in 82.50 so we can see 82.5 and then I'll convert it to pounds and that is 60 pounds. Okay. That's not bad for a year. I mean, I'm, I'm tempted. Too bad. The problem you see is that the thing that appeals to me the most is obsidian yes. because aesthetically it looks nice and just, you know the markdown no. and, and and rome i think has markdown as well you can you can now write in markdown but it is it's, um the difference i would say generally is that rome is is and i would suggest is coming at it more from an outliner point of view that's its sort of starting position whereas obsidian is certainly more like your work you are writing into you're writing into files still yeah. obsidian whereas rome doesn't really have a notion of files that's what threw me a lot was it's like you're starting nowhere and i'm not saying that we need files but the thing is with obsidian you've got a list of all the things the, the of what are files which you could make as an outliner if you want i think it's got an outline mode now as well but you're just i just like it because it's like typing into a text document whereas originally obsidian uh, originally rome research was much more like an outliner it was all like bullet things you know and i that for me was like well 
that was a bit too much like a to-do list thing starting off and then you could expand it into text and yeah it felt like a there was some keyboard shortcut things that i didn't quite gel with whereas yeah. if i can just start writing into a text document and then by creating links it creates brand new documents but if I want to see those in a does, list... Does that, can, can I just ask you a question? Does that happen on Obsidian? So I've, I've got as far as uh, the... So you could see from last night, and now you can laugh at my screenshots. You could see from last night that um, when I said, if anybody wants to learn this, I'm going to run a Saturday workshop looking at Obsidian. Um, and I've already got two people who said, three actually, who've said based on that, yeah, they're really right. interested. And I'm like, great, because that'll make me do it. And then I'll learn Obsidian because I've been talking about Obsidian since last year and I haven't actually got around to it. Um, so for me, there's a benefit. But if I do my double square brackets and say, yeah. um, so here is Iron Brew, okay? And I'm writing about my delicious Iron Brew. Um, and then I write um, about the Scots problem with sugar and alcohol, okay? Yeah, no, no, I'll show you. Will it, will it, um, will it generate a new document for me? Yeah, watch, watch. I'll show you and you can, um, you have to share your screen. I know, I know. I've got to find the right button. All right. Where's the share screen button? Oh yeah. The big green one. <laughs> uh, okay. So oh, oh, this is okay. So you can see my screen. Yeah. Yeah. That thing out of the way. Um, so like what? Okay. So, uh, just ignore that one for now. So I come into here and I'm like, I hit new note. So that to me okay. is like, okay, starting on something. So yeah. I can give it a name. So I can do like podcast notes. And then I can be like, uh, Chris talked about. First thing we this. talked about was the new podcast. Right. Yeah. So I've done that. And then if I just command click on that, it's now been created. And show me your file system. So this is on the left here. Yeah, so... I can understand that. But can you go to your finder? Oh, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, is, that, is that in the finder? Yeah, yeah. So if I say show, look, it's just a markdown file. Uh, yeah, I know. So oh, this is what my did you vault. just do there? Show. Oh, I just show. right, I just control right clicked or control clicked and say show in System Explorer. But obviously on the oh. Mac it's called Finder. Are you um, on a PC or? No, no. It's because Obsidian is is cross platform. So some oh, of the okay. language, some okay. of the language might well be easier to say System Explorer than have yeah, an yeah, if, yeah. if else statement that says Finder. Yeah, yeah, whatever yeah, the yeah. heck Windows call okay. it. Um, so for me, the reason that there's a number of things. This, though, look, I can make start a presentation. Now it's a presentation. <laughs> oh wow! Like which you know, I don't know how you get out of presentation mode. Oh, there X. There's an X in the corner. I press. Um, so it. Whereas there isn't any notion of this stuff in uh, in Rome, really, in terms of like you can have folders and things. It's on my machine locally. Mm. At the moment, so I'm... so the appeal to me about this is one: it's on your machine. Yeah. Okay. So you can be backing it up somehow to the cloud or yeah, it's something. Just, it's right? just Markdown files. Yeah, uh, and the next thing that appeals to me is it's just Markdown files because we both like writing in Markdown. And then the next thing that appeals to me is well, is the aesthetics of it as well as something. And oh, now, Chris, Jordan, you love has, that. Jordan has made some um, style sheet type things for Rome, you know, changing the aesthetics and stuff. And that's totally cool, which is great. Um, for me, the thing that didn't gel for me was that outliner type thing. Yeah, I don't like you know, that. I looked at it and thought, oh, my word, is this, you know, 
well, I, you know, it just didn't really fit for me. Um, and that's why I didn't rush to see, oh, what to offer did they give me? Um, I think to be fair, 50% is a reasonable offer. Um, you know, it's their business. They can do what they want. It's slightly different to how I've been doing. I mean, I've an, a learner from Nigeria who contacted me two days ago. Um, and she said, I'm not going to say her name because I don't want to embarrass anyone. Mm. Um, I'm in a group with Steph Smith, who did a talk for us at the School of Design, uh, which is doing content right. It's about or doing content right in 2020 was what it was. It was a book that made a reasonable amount of money. Um, and she has a, a community on oh, what's that tool called? It's not WhatsApp. It's another one of those things. Sign, sign, signal it's not signal. signal it's telegram it's telegram, on telegram anyway on advertising so because advertising. steph smith had made a bunch of money with her book as in like tens of thousands of dollars she had decided she was going to run a scholarship scheme this year and she yes. was going to do 12 scholarships one per month um and she in the telegram group had said you know if anyone else wants to participate or help or you know anything at all you know pitch in and see let's see what we can do and I'd said, look, I'd absolutely love to be a part of this. And I would happily give somebody some scholarships to join the School of Design because what's the cost to me? It's like the net cost to me is like nothing. You know, if I've got 10 people who are paying me 95 pounds, which is 950 pounds, that's going to pay for my Zoom and my Slack and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But adding someone from Nigeria who does not have 95 pounds for me is like, well, what, what's the cost? Nothing. Um, so she contacted me the other day and said, I noticed your thing on Steph Smith's, uh, telegram and, you know, I'd really like to learn design. I don't know where to start and, you know, but I have no money. And I just said, join us. Here's your invitation. Give me your email. And I just invited her. And this morning she messaged me to say, I'm sorry, I haven't introduced myself. I feel a bit intimidated by the, you know, by everyone else they have so much qualifications etc and i said please just introduce yourself it's the most nice community in the world we're, we're totally help everyone's helping everybody it's really nice you know um and she said okay i will but you know just didn't want you to think i was being ungrateful brilliant to me if you say to somebody rome scholars program and they have no money and you say 50 50 off i'm thinking i don't even know if i can afford that actually um yeah especially, I mean, especially when especially when you've got somebody who is a teacher who wants to use that tool to show other people. I'm thinking like, you know, I'm here to try and sell your product to other people, right? That's what's on my application form, you know? So in my show and tell of all of this stuff, I'll be saying, isn't Rome amazing? You should go and sign up. You know, I am going to work as a salesperson for you for nothing. All you need to do is give me that thing for free. Um, that's just not how they choose to roll. And that for me is a bit of a deal breaker from a money, money point of view. No, I think you're right. I mean, maybe they give different deals to different people, but I don't know. Um... But, you know, take by contrast, the guys from everything who I just mentioned a minute ago, um, you know, they were like, yeah, this looks great what you're doing and please have this subscription forever. And actually because Al Parr is helping me build my website and I kept talking to him about stuff on everything. I bought him a subscription because I, I did buy him a subscription and say, do me a favor, change the credit card details right yeah. now. Cause I don't want to get charged for it next year. <laughs> you can have it for one year and thereafter you have to pay for it yourself. Um, so I paid for it anyway. Um, but you know, they, they understood and they gave it to me because they knew I didn't have any money. And similarly with ghost John O'Nolan, um, yeah. 
said, look, you can have a ghost for free. And then three or four years later, I got an email saying, hey, will you owe us some money for this year's ghost? And I got back and said, uh, John O'Nolan told me this was free about three years ago. And they were like, well, we have to check with John. And they went away and they came back and said, John told us to give you $10,000 in credit. (laughs) So I have 10 grand credit on my ghost. And, you know, they just said that should cover you probably for the rest of your life. (laughs) I said, yeah, great. And, And so I'm always recommending ghost because I can use it and try it and it doesn't cost me any money. Um, you know, and you think yourself, if you're an educator and you're trying lots of tools and you add up all that money, it's huge. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. No, it's so, certainly soon adds up, but that's the thing. I, I, Obsidian obviously is zero barrier to entry. It's, it's, it's zero cost, uh, for personal use. Is, so you can, is it zero you, cost? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zero dollars forever for personal use. So, okay. you know, that means you, if your personal use is showing other people how to use it. Yep. That's fine. Um, and the, I think the light, what is it? Um, yeah, you need to pay for Cydium if and only if you use it for revenue generating work related activities in a company that has two or more people. Okay. Get a commercial license for each user if that's the case. Non-profit okay. organizations do not need commercial licenses. But you then pay for the add-on services. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess if someone wanted to argue, if you could say, well, you generate revenue by showing people like how to be cool educators, but they, they've got like a really nice community. I can't imagine they would. How do you know? Are you in the dev channel? I'm in the discord and I've, I've um, paid for the, what they call the catalyst uh, thing, which yeah, is $25. $25 one off payment. And I get to have the insider build and I get like a special badge. And I get exclusive access to the dev channel, so I can hear what they're. I could, basically I get to see in advance the changes they're making, and and it's and it says I get support development. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to use that. Um, now, and at the I, moment, I see I don't know. So synchronization and pub, like because I'm going to tell you what I think I'm going to do next in terms of my future of of, of text, <laughs> which is slightly different to this. So I haven't got uh, sync didn't exist until very recently, and nor did publish. Uh, and I knew they were coming, but they you couldn't you, they didn't exist at all. So I've I've been using Sync thing to sync between my Mac and a, a Linux bot machine laptop running Pop OS, um, just because I wanted to have it on both machines. And I was originally trying to focus myself by saying I'm going to have this Linux la- Pop OS laptop. Mm. Uh, I got for one two reasons. Pop OS is a really delightful looking uh, Linux build, so I wanted to see great user interface on linux and also i thought this might stop me from being distracted from all the whizzy things that my mac yeah, has yeah, yeah. and i could just write on it so mm-hmm. i did that um but um that's obviously just a you know I'm, i've got a third party way of syncing so i can't it doesn't do built-in version history and i certainly don't get priority email support and i sync thing will have end-to-end encryption it definitely has end because sync thing is peer-to-peer yeah. Okay. So, but you're able to do this because you um, because you are building a product, so you understand all of this kind of oh, stuff. Oh yeah, because I'm a geek and like, I'm whereas, able to try it. Like, no, everyone I, else would just buy that. Whereas I don't know what sync thing is or sync. No, no. Sync, I, if, if, I was in, if I was in, it, it, yeah, I would just buy that. Okay. Here's my question. I'm on the. I've signed up with an account. Welcome, Chris Murphy. It says. Um, and I've signed up with an account. Okay. So I'm just going to get a screenshot of that. 
<sighs> because you're gonna laugh at me, but actually, oh shit, um, a mistake, I clicked the wrong thing. Um, so it says your license, blah, blah, blah. Support well, the dancing practice might have started, so. Do you have to stop? No, no. It just might be lots of stomping. Support the development with a one-time special personal license. Obsidian Catalyst gives you access to early beta versions of Obsidian special badges in the community. So I want to pay for that. So Insider, early access to Insider builds, Insider badge in the community. Supporter, early access to Insider builds, access supporter badge. Oh, all, all that is is, oh no, that gets you to the dev channel. Yeah, it doesn't really give you anything. I just bought it because I was like, I want, I like this product. I'm going to give them $25 like once, even if I never use it again. Oh, no, 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 no. Insider is $25. Yeah, that's is that You don't get the dev channel. Oh. Supporter, you get the dev channel. So you have to pay $50 oh, okay. for that. Oh, okay. I don't know. Are you in the dev channel? No, I've got Catalyst, supporter development, access to exclusive dev channel, £25 plus. Maybe I bought the wrong thing. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. Look, I'll show it to you here on my screen so you don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, go on, because I might end up upgrading. See? Oh, no, I got insider. the insider. Yes, sorry, I got insider. One time. And then supporter is uh, supporter badge and is uh, you get oh, access yeah, to the dev channel. Yeah. And that's a $50 one time. But thing for me is, like, I, I don't do think I would really use the dev channel because that's oh, not no, really me. Um, but you don't need to get any of that. Commercializes. Do you need Obsidian Publish? Well, I've... I am changing my mind. Ah, okay, you can publish these onto a website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's the thing. Well, what would I use Sync for? Um, well, at the moment, there isn't a mobile app, but it, they are coming soon, it says. But there's been oh, no okay. news on those. But Sync would be multiple devices. But if you're only using one Mac at the moment, you don't even mm-hmm. need Sync. Yeah, I don't. And publish is $8, but it also says with lifetime early bird pricing. So you're going to pay $8 per month per site billed annually. So instead of paying $16 per month forever, you'll pay $8 per month forever, which is actually quite a bit. Um, and you can see graph view and outline priority email support selectively. Yeah, you, can pu- you can publish your graph view. That's what they're saying. And you can publish. Yeah, but also the ability to selectively publish your notes to me. See, one of the reasons if I stop sharing yeah. and I just share my screen, because we had this chat last night, um, or I can't remember who I had this chat with. Oh, my desktop. I can't share my desktop because you must have changed something. I've got this. You can't share desktop. I've got that. Oh, what are you talking about? Um, okay, well, I'm going to show here. So yeah. this, for example, which was what you wrote this morning. Oh, yes, which you were about um, to find before we... Um, yeah, but you see the way, says, yeah, the way yeah. it says publish. Um, yeah. What app is that? You know, we've had lots of different discussions um, in the uh, School of Design and there at the start of this episode about bear versus simple note versus i writer versus um tot which is an application i would not recommend um dreadful sync um and this the reason i've stuck with simple note all this time is that you can actually publish these notes so you ready Um, you ready for the magic that i'm about to tell you okay show me well i'm so i was like okay i need to start I want to do the same thing. I want to just start publishing bits of the right bits of notes and whatever. And I was like, okay, how am I going to do that? You know, I've got. Are you talking notes. about Node Noggin? 
No, I, well, originally I was like, where am I going to capture things? Node Noggin does a different series of things, actually. Okay. It doesn't, well, it's not really a writing tool. There's other, it's not a, it's not a writing tool. Yeah, um, okay. And I, that's the distinction I would make, actually, with like a lot of the things like Rome Research, Obsidian. I, I think they're writing tools that help you think in terms of writing. But I think yeah. something like Node Noggin, the thing that Jordan showed, um, Mu not uh, Muse uh make space fun they're more thing they're more about just thinking about ideas and, and if you're not really a writer but you kind of think with words and pictures um but i, I, I think also, go on i think that jordan's is a writing tool uh, based on conversations it, i've had with it him probably might be. Um, but, but i understand that, that that what you're talking about you're talking about like for example miro mural your tool yeah. noggin etc they're less to do with writing and more to do with yours tinkering um with whatever yeah. you want to tinker with right yeah, and mine's multiplayer um, multiplayer by default like right so that's that's a big thing for me because i i think that um i think the fact that you said multiplayer by default is really interesting because you're using gaming language oh, yeah. um you know I know, I can understand that you do it on purpose. Um, we're sitting at one hour and 12 minutes at the minute, so I don't know how long we're going with each episode. I'm happy just to roll on for another few minutes. or Yeah, I think we can wrap some things up in terms of just getting to people to think about these things. So uh, maybe I'll wrap up what I'm thinking of doing now. But yeah, I think, I mean, I think Rome is coming. So if you look at Rome, they mm -hmm. have, and apparently from the beginning, supposedly, that it's been multiplayer. So more, mm -hmm. like, a, more like a Google Doc. You know, so you can write together. Uh, so more like something like an Etherpad, uh, which is interesting, but it would have two modes. Um, Doesn't interest me at all. I just want no, to do no, my own No, no, it's a different thing. thing. Yeah, exactly. And I think in terms of like, if you're doing your own thing, probably the idea of having something like a, a markdown editor that allows you to selectively, allows you to sync mm -hmm. right on the go, which Obsidian is definitely missing, that right on the go function. Um, well, I think everything's missing that because what was interesting about last night's conversation, which is why I kind of cheated and said, no, that wasn't the last question. This is the last question was that my friend Reddy from India. Um, and I say friend. I mean, we only know each other on Twitter. He's on my uh, Discord for Node Noggin. Super yeah. awesome guy. Really nice guy. And he's got this whole notion of play. Uh, which you should totally talk to him about. He's yeah. in the school of design. Play is something that you do and you don't get too stressed about uh, because it's play. Um, and he's got this whole concept of play as a better um, conceptual model than, you know, uh, let's say idea generation. Or yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. if you go into a workshop, there's an expectation that you're going to get something out of it and there's going to be some outcomes, which yeah. relates to what we talked about earlier, um, the outcomes of, you know, design tools. Is it a web page? Is it a book? Is it a this, right? Yeah. Whereas if you go into something as a play activity, you know, that it's a lot less stressful. And it's really interesting, the, the semantics. Um, and that guy, just, just everything about him, I just thought he's a really interesting guy. Um, and I just said to him, just join the School of Design because, you know, it'd be really interesting to have you involved. He's part of Nest Labs as well, so. Oh, okay, nice. Uh, I mean, I think the other thing is, with, uh, yeah, you're but he'd ask that question. He'd ask that question. Yeah. Sorry, just to finish the thought. He'd yeah, ask that question. What about mobile? You know, uh, it's an afterthought. It's not a mobile first. And Jordan's response was kind of like, well, you know, with a lot of the spatial stuff, et cetera, it needs to be on a bigger screen. And I'm like, yeah, but a lot of people need a mobile. No, no. So um, this is like seriously important. And Node Noggin works on mobile 
as the default view to begin with. And there's okay. a, a big reason for that is because if uh, you know the place that Node Noggin is designed to work is in a, a studio environment with people thinking about ideas and trying to come up with solutions. Nine times out of ten, everyone in that design studio has, has a phone. A, is using a phone. The students all yeah. have phones, etc. And the other thing that we've I found through testing is that spatial view, particularly if it's multiplayer, is really distracting for thinking to begin mm. with. And you don't want to be in a spatial view when you're just thinking. Even to mm -hmm. see those cards dashed out like that, a bit too much can be a bit... It can just throw you. And as then if you're seeing other people's cards being created at the same time, it really does throw you. So in Node Noggin, we have a collect... The collect view is the default. Yeah, Literally, that's the magpie. Yeah, yeah, you just sit there and you're like, boom, boom, and collect, you know, I'm putting these things in. And you do see one after the other, but you don't see anyone else's. And it just works in a thin, you know, it's, it's not so great on a desktop because it's like too wide, you know. But everyone, literally, predominantly all the students are on their phones to begin with. Mm -hmm. And then once we sort of thrashed out a few initial thoughts and found some things, then people want to move into the bigger screen. And, mm -hmm. and we've, we haven't tested that as much, and there's less functionality in the spatial arrangement. But what I'm, what I'm, what I have seen when we have done it is that if I'm plugged into a projector and I switch to that view, I've got a big version of this virtual canvas, mm -hmm. and then there's a bunch of students who will will switch to laptops or slightly bigger displays, who will start to work together to organise things in their team. But often, again, you it'd be like one person, so. If you're t and again, because Node Noggin is redesigned to augment the design space, it's not predominantly a remote tool. Yeah. Often people will then move to one big screen and work together, but they could still throw stuff in, but they'll be on the phone. Oh, I'll throw this idea in there. You know. Are so your students using Node Noggin just now? Yeah. Okay. I'm wondering, should we be using Node Noggin for the workshop things I'm running for you? No, you don't have to do whatever's comfortable for you. You know, I'm the tool builder and we're using it predominantly in crit situations and things to gather, to gather consensus of the room. And it works yeah. really well when you've got loads of students and you want feedback from everyone because everyone can anonymous. And again, node login, your contributions are anonymous, uh, very different to mural, mirror and whatever, where they show a little cursor with your name and Oh look, the boss added something. That's probably less thumbs up the boss's. Yeah, I think that you know. that's that's really really bad, um, and that that's almost like a whole conversation right there. And yeah. one of the things that's interested me, especially today, having gone down to my car park to do a bit of riding, uh, Tim Potter, my friend Tim Potter, this morning. You, you've met Tim from back in the days when you're an external you know, examiner. I met him once, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Once. I, this morning I said, hey, can you send me some files to something? He, he did some, oh, let me show you these because you will absolutely love these. Yeah, um, I'll tell, let me tell you about the thing I'm going to do. Just to, yeah, because you were like, oh, I've got to tell you no, something. No, because I'm not sure. But I, so um, Obsidian sounds great in terms of doing all that stuff, but it doesn't have a mobile app, right? And the like Muse has solved that with a very simple interface for mobile, and I've solved it with a very simple interface for mobile, right? But there are different mm. tools. Um, so the other writing tool I have, obviously, is Ulysses, which I do pay a subscription for. Mm -hmm. um, and Ulysses has some great features and, and has additional stuff now around grammar and spelling and things I don't even use, right? Um, but a while ago, they, I'd, I'd, ages ago, I spoke to the developers in Germany about their, their markdown tool, 
because yeah. of, I was thinking about Markdown and my original thoughts were really about building a, a learning environment that revolved around Markdown. Um, and they were really nice. Anyway, they emailed me and said, um, I, they must, I don't know how they know, they know these things anyway. They emailed me and said, we've got another beta coming out and it will have microblog publishing built into it. Anyway. So I was like, oh, okay. So then I'm like, okay, Ulysses will publish to microblog and it will selectively publish. And Manton Reese has been, his book that hasn't been released yet. Can he sign? No, no, he hasn't mentioned it for ages on any podcast. It's fine. He's, it's the, there's a pandemic. It's cool. It doesn't I, matter. I know, but Don't come on, man. Good time to you be know, doing it, you know? Um, that's sure why he's busy. finishing BBUIs. I know, but so, lots, of, lots of people paid for it. Like, I paid for that. I paid for it as well, but it's cool. It's just for the book. Right? I just want to read it. But do you know what I wish he would do is just like, for the people who backed him in the Kickstarter, just be like, you know, even privately, just send an email I, and say, I have asked, Here's, I did ask if I could yeah, I was like, happy like, to pre-read it. Here's my draft or something. You know, there's lots of people, you and me included, who are really interested in microblogging and his opinion on it. And, you know, but it's the, like, when are we going to get it? Check this out, though, Chris. The thing is, what I do know is we had the, we has the, he has the website that is the book that we know is powered by a microblog that looks like a book, right? Uh-huh. I need to write this PhD. Half it exists already in Ulysses. Bits of it come to me in my mind as I'm walking the dog with my phone, which works with Ulysses. If I can get Uly- if Ulysses now publishes to microblog and I buy another microblog and I fi- and Manton lets me have the book theme, I can literally write my PhD yeah. Yeah. in the open publicly from now on just by selectively publishing these things and slowly build out all the chapters. Yeah, like that. Otherwise, I've got. A, otherwise, I'm looking at Obsidian and going, okay, I'm going to have to buy Sync. I'm going to have to buy publishing. It's going to cost me more. I'm not going to stop subscribing to Ulysses because I quite like it and it's got loads of stuff in it. Mm-hmm. You know, and almost the other day, like I said to you, I almost sat down and was like, okay, I'm going to go through all my folding text markdown files. I'm going to go through all my Ulysses ones. I'm going to bring them all into obsidian you know but then i'm thinking this is going to be a mammoth job you yeah know? it is it's going to be huge and the other so problem that's, that... I'm, uh, yeah so i can't tell you anything about the beta for ulysses uh because i haven't downloaded it yet and, and i'm not supposed to uh, other mm-hmm. than I, I think i can say that it's got i'm allowed to say it's got microblog publishing i just can't okay. i think i'm just not allowed to do videos and reviews of it i can i can screenshot it and whatever but i can't give a review so it's rubbish because but I, I, you know, this a is a problem with these tools. If we return back to the theme of the whole episode, which is, uh, you know, network notes, note taking, thought, connected thought, webs of thought, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You really need, I think, to commit to a tool. Yes. You know, there's no point in me putting together some stuff in Obsidian and some stuff in Rome. Agreed. That's that's completely pointless, you know, because you're fragmenting your thought. And the whole point of these network note taking tools is that you're bringing things together. Yeah. And based on Which what you just said, Ulysses um, needs a graph view and then it smashes them all out of the water. Yeah. Mm, yeah. This is the problem you see. And this is where I felt that the $500 believer was worth the life of the product because you're in, um, because you're you're in, in it. it and you're committed. And it's also not a guarantee. I know we said earlier that, you know, they've got some VC money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, who would have thought that um, Facebook would have, you know, like a few days ago, everyone was shifting off WhatsApp onto Telegram. Why? Because Facebook, WhatsApp, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. Who would have thought um, two years ago that Facebook would be, you know, 
a pariah uh, that people would be saying, yeah, I don't use Facebook. Uh, you know, I'm out of that system, etc." So when you are backing a piece of software in such a fragile place, you know, like if I was to give you one of these notebooks, for example, and say, here's a notebook, you can write in it, right? Well, you know, you're going to be able to write in that forever, right? Because uh, it's a piece of, it's a thing, right? But Rome may suffer a backlash. People might decide it's awful. They might do something that accidentally shares everybody's notes to the internet or something. And people may decide, you know what, Rome is shit. And they may all abandon Rome and all move to Ulysses and the thing you just described. And then your $500 believer plan isn't really quite, you know. No, no, totally. That's the thing. So so to me, to put the five-year thing on it feels a bit... You know, that feels a little bit more driven by a profit motivation than. But this is the difference. This is the difference as well that connects through to this, which is why and, you know, this is which is why Node Noggin is free open source software. What, you know, it connects to free and open source uh, synchronization engine. There's everything stored locally, right? Yes, there is some there is it's, it's using things that I've written to make the spatial arrangement work and all that kind of stuff. But if you net it, it works in the browser. So and it works on your machine at this point. Now there's still things for me to figure out, but basically, as long as you've got a browser, you could just stay with that version. You know, you download the the software because it's free and open source. You yeah. run it on your machine. It does. There's, it it will never break. Now you may not get any new features that I add to the thing. Yeah, but, who but it cares? will still it will still it will work. always work because it's designed to work as a browser. And you know, yes, again. I need to have really serious export functionality. So exports all of your things into just plain text, but it already is plain text. So that if you ever wanted to port everything, you could do it in a really easy way. And I, and I think that that to me is the missing piece. When you look at all these other pioneers, the other piece of the puzzle was that you should have control of your software, not the other way around. And, and all the subscription mod, models, it's the other way around. You know, that's, if that's why paying Ulysses, then something will break at some point. Now, they, yeah. again, they've probably got a good model. Um, and yes, I can get everything out because it's, it's technically marked down where they have, they've added some extra spice. But, you know, um, and it wasn't subscription, but it's the same. But it's not cloud. It's not cloud based. You know, it, yeah, and it, these, this is why this is why that conversation which we had last night, uh, which was really interesting and has sparked a bunch of um, like I think almost a bunch of essays really for me to write, um, has it wasn't enough. We've got way more to unpack there. Um, you know, even this conversation is unpacking it. But that's why that's for me. But I've been thinking about it since I said like 2014 in different ways and prior yeah. to that. You know, and so. I've had the time to think about the connecting pieces and I see all this excitement and I see people creating things. It's like, okay, I get it. And it's great. And they're excited about the tool and its potential, but there are other connecting pieces that are in the way. And for me, this, you know, the capture of data, the surveillance, the mod, the centralized notion of most things, including the web, all are problematic. If you, if you stand by the principle that this tool, the computer is augmenting me as a being yeah then you know you then that's where the act you know the silo becomes even more horrendous you're literally locking your second brain in something that you might you know i remember there was a igtt that, that, thing, that's, you know there's loads of stuff like that that's like, yeah i know that that's my concern was that you know 
if you are, and I think Jordan is a Rome user, and I think he's a Rome cult person as well, um, you know, because his tool is obviously experimental and it's not even like, he's not even putting his own stuff into it. And I had talked to him before about downloading a copy and giving it a go, but it's not at that stage of readiness. Um, but my my concern about the whole Rome thing is you're basically, as you just said, you're putting your second brain into a box that someone else owns that someone else can lock and that's not great um you know uh, and that bicycle for the mind could be taken away from you anytime right yeah. it could be taken away from you because you lose your job and you can't afford the money and suddenly your whole second brain is gone or it can be taken away from you because there's a backlash a la the facebook thing we just discussed and the whole thing goes down the toilet you lose your second brain. There are multiple avenues that are problematic. And that for me has been one conversation that's come up a lot with other people I've talked to. They're like, they're concerned about one, the cost of Rome, you know, that you're locked in and it, they could decide next year to double the price. And, you know, you would have really no choice but to do it. Um, and this is something I've noticed because I spent, do you know Agenda? Have you heard of Agenda? Yes. It's a note-taking app. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I was going to say, you can tell we use all the note-taking apps. <laughs> yeah, I know. But the problem with Agenda was, um, and I made a video showing this, was that I started writing my book in it for Adobe, the user interface book. And mm. I kept deleting a paragraph and it kept reappearing. Mm. And every time I moved from my phone back to my computer, it would just appear again, the sentence yeah. that I'd written. And it was a sentence about, oh, my word. Oh, yeah, the I remember pa- you saying this before. Yeah, Who's the pattern language person? Um, a pattern library. Well, it's the person who wrote a pattern language, the book, um, which I bought. It's a very, very good book. Um, and Christopher Alexander. And I, I, this sentence is just, it's like a nightmare. You know, I would do something, it would appear again. And then I would do something, it would appear again. And I was like, can you just help me to get rid of this thing? And they were, you know, do, I don't are you using the latest version. I said, look, I know what I'm doing. I teach this stuff. I've done everything. I've, <laughs> I've deinstalled it, reinstalled it, that checked it, that I'm on the latest version. I've done it on my Mac. I've done it on my iPad. I've done it on my phone. I've done absolutely everything. Uh, blah, 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 blah. And please, it's driving me insane. And first of all, they never got back to me. And then I was like, please, can you fix it? You know, and then they were like, can you show us what's going on? I sent them a video and I just never heard anything back. And I was like, I am paying a subscription for this. And I happened to look on my phone earlier on and thought, God, I have to go back to agenda and pull all the stuff out of it because it's all in there. And oh yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I'm locked in there. The other thing then we won't go into this now, but I think the other interesting thing with a lot of these tools, um, and Obsidian, I think, is good because the community is huge. Rome is probably similar. Um, and Jordan talked about yesterday. And what I've seen as well is that uh, as much as, we, as as much as designers and toolmakers, we talked about iterating and making things with the people that are going to use them, these tools seem to really dictate you can't decide the direction of the interface without it being out there and constantly changing and trying things out like no noggin doesn't looks the way it looks because of me literally trying stuff out live with people and i'm like okay oh we need that we need that but like in a way that i think is beyond what we kind of used to do and even jordan talked about it, he said well the tool's kind of building itself 
because I was like thinking about this. I went, oh, colour. And then you sort of go, and it's the same thing. I'm like added colour and I'm like, oh, okay, colour, you know. The, which then roots me down to a more really interesting place, which is how do you keep those choices open enough that they don't lock certain thoughts in? Because that's the other thing with a lot of the tools. Again, they, they end up locking you in. Yeah, so, you know, yeah, yeah. Choice of yeah. colour uh, is really nice if you just make it a choice of colour and you decide the, the, the meaning of those things. And the, I mean, when I added colours, no nogging, the students were loving it. And I was using, and I use it today, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I mean, I, I'm doing like ridiculously now, I'm doing my talks are like bringing up a no noggin and sort of writing what I'm going to say to the, to the students. I go, okay, well, you want to think about reflection. So reflection is this, do, 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 and then I'll drop in a photo and then I sort of zoom out and go, okay, so this is what we're thinking about. Um, and that's using a single player, which I, I, I don't really think it's designed for, but it helps me to think through a thing, especially when you're yeah. really busy, like crafting a, a, a slide deck, which I've never been mega fan of, um, was always a pain. Whereas this, you can kind of like, I'm just going to, I know what I want to talk about. Uh, I know that I know the start, middle and end. I just want to visualize it, but I don't want to spend all my time building it. Why don't I build it in front while I'm talking about it, which is I've started doing, which is quite fun. Anyway, that's an aside. I just think there's an interesting thing with how interfaces are going to start designing themselves. Um, I don't know. Ah, yeah, that sounds interesting. Interface is going to start designing themselves. Um, that like that brings me neatly back to the um the magic thing that we talked yes. about at the beginning where he talked about magic and going to sleep and blah 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 stuff happened yeah. overnight i made a note um, of that yeah i mean I, that's why i that's why when i went to the car park to do some writing today um and i love the fact that you're doing it um mobile first uh for nerd noggin because for me even going to the car park although i take my mac with me my macbook pro I tend to do most of my writing on my phone, um, but even though it's a little bit slower. And the other thing I do is I write a lot like this, like, you know, long form. Yeah. Um, and actually that magic as a strategy is written there. It's pretty much that. Um, and, you know, I've got into a system now where I do quite a lot of writing on a piece of paper so and translate it. But and the reason I'm using the paper, because somebody said to me the other day, like, why don't you just write straight into the phone is because it slows my writing down. It slows my thinking down and it allows me to, to, uh, to think things through. And that's where, when I was talking earlier about sounding like an idiot on some of the, the discussions, you know, my brain is working so fast that I, my voice is struggling to keep up with where my brain is. And then I'm saying something, but I'm actually thinking something about 10 minutes ahead sort of thing. And it ends up coming out like gobbledygook. But when he talked about the, I put at the end here, you know, one of the most interesting aspects, sorry, taken together, these paradigms, desktop and browser, right? Desktop is the desktop metaphor. Browser is the the, the assumptions that Tim Berners-Lee has made, uh, have taken us down an avenue that it is very hard to reverse out of. How do we move beyond these mental models and imagine new approaches? Enter magic as a design strategy i mean for me that was really interesting um one of the most interesting aspects of the conversation to me was moore's idea of magic as a design strategy there are aspects of that approach that overlap with one of my tools which is the archaeology of the future where you go to the future and you bring back evidence of the future and then you make it basically um and jordan was talking about something very similar but for me as a design strategy that felt really interesting and i wrote here at this point i'll just add the transcript of the conversation because the conversation at that point was fascinating um 
you know, but this stuff needs to go. I mean, it needs to, my notes need to move out of simple note into something. Yeah. And, and, and that's why it's becoming quite pressing the obsidian versus Rome thing. Actually, just in talking to you tonight, I think I've decided I'm not going to do Rome because it'll get me locked into Rome. And I yeah. just, I just not hundred percent sure. Plus also just as a contrarian, um, the idea that everyone's in a cult over here means I want to go somewhere in the opposite <laughs> direction. Cause I'm just not really that interested in it. Loads of people being in a cult and all doing the same thing. I want to yeah, go yeah. in the opposite direction yeah. because it's more interesting. Yeah. You know, I think anyway, you play, I think you should play with obsidian more. I think you, I think, well, I'm going to start, I'm going to start what I'm doing at the minute is I'm screenshotting the whole process. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to write up a playlist tutorial type thing and say, here's how you go through it. And then I think probably I might run a workshop that is partly about getting your Obsidian space set up, but is also partly about some of the things that we need to unpack a little bit more from yesterday's conversation. Because uh, I think like a two-hour Saturday morning workshop with a lot of discussion and stuff, you know, yeah, that's open good. to members of the School of Design. I think that would be good, you know. No, definitely. Um, so how do we get anyway, to School of Design, though? If people want to join and they want to be members and they want to, like, get more of, of, of people talking about stuff. I, I would say that if you go to um, theschoolofdesign.com, that will take you to uh, the, the main page that describes the... Um, Hang on a minute. Oh, my word. I'm on the... Oh, sorry. That'll take you to... Uh, I'm sorry, cancel. Oh, if you go to theschoolofdesign.com, that'll take you to uh, a redirect, which takes you to Notion. Yeah. Um, and it'll take you to the, the relevant page in my library, which is all of my knowledge. And right at the top of that page, there's a description of the School of Design. And there's a link that says become a member. And it now has a big cheery photo of me going like this, Um, you know, and it explains how it works. I have simplified it. It's like a vibrant community, Slack, uh, which is really vibrant. Me today and yesterday, the advice I got from Caroline, Dermot and you on, you know, where am I going and what am I doing? Caroline, particularly yesterday where she was like, you know, I wouldn't use these tutorials because they're too basic. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, I've totally overlapped two things here uh, that are different. Um, and so your advice today was super helpful. But what, one of the things I replied, I think, to you or to Caroline or whoever in that group was like, now we need to get to the point that everybody in here feels as comfortable as I do about sharing the stuff. Because yeah. um, I'm just sharing stuff and then you're pitching in Caroline, Dermot, everyone. And some people, I think, are afraid of pitching in and asking for feedback and advice because... I don't know. They don't want to look like an idiot. I don't care. Anyway, vibrant community in Slack. I think there's about 35 people in there at the minute. Right. I kind of say that as, as uh, I'm proud of that, as in the sense that in Nest Labs, there's probably 1,800 people or something. I don't think we're ever going to have 1,800 people. And even though Anne-Laura thinks I'm nuts when I say to her, I think my limit's about 500, she's like, what? The more people you have, the more money you make. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I don't shit about that i'm i'm interested in the quality of the conversation is what i'm interested in obviously if somebody pays 95 pounds to join as a member i'm not going to say bugger off you can't join um but you know i am interested in the quality of thinking that we have um so you get vibrant community uh two seasons of designer talks which is at a minimum 20 talks um which probably won't be called designer talks because we just worked out that's not what's the next one what's the next one chris 
I don't know. I'm putting together a season at the minute. That's where I spoke to uh, to um, Saron Yetbarek. So she's part of it. Um, a private library, which I'm working on just now, which which is where I'm going to take those playlists and put them into a private library. So I think I'll give some examples of here's one kind of playlist that's master's level. Here's another kind of playlist that's not master's level. It's more undergraduate skills focused. And the rest of the playlists are behind a paywall. Yeah. And you get that private library when you join. And then all the books will be in there as well. Um, and then discounted coaching is the other thing. Cool. And you go to the schoolofdesign.com. Brilliant. Um, and yeah. And then also the other thing is you get the videos for the talks. Oh, if you remember. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, a few people have been contacting me the other day, like one person in particular, who you're not going to go into too much detail, but this particular person must have swapped about 20 emails and they were, you know, oh, I booked a place for that talk, but I can't make it. And I said, oh, well, don't worry. I'll, you know, I'll release your space. Someone else might use it. And this particular person was like, yeah, can I get the video? And I said, well, yeah, you can, but you have to join. It's like, you know, it's 95 pounds. We're not talking about a vast sum of money here. Um, I'm like, what? You know, um, but I, I'm trying to make it that there are some benefits to being a member. Yeah, there's definitely, you know, because I did speak to Al Power the other day and I said to him for BBUI's my interface design book, I, I said to him, okay, what do you think of the model I have just now that the whole book's free on the web? He, he was kind of like, yeah, I think that's shit. He said, you know, if I'm paying for it, he's not paying for it anyway. And he said, you know, if I'm paying for it, I would not want everyone else's get the book for free, you know? My point was, well, you know, you're going to get the live teaching and you're going to get the examples and you're going to get the homework and you're going to get all this extra stuff. So the book is, you know, is is a fraction of the thing. Um, and he was still like, no, I think it's really important that people who pay for the thing feel like they're getting a thing that no one else is getting for free. Yeah. Fascinating. That's yeah. an episode. That's an episode in and of itself, you know, because like, Why? um yeah i agree that is definitely another episode about what it's another episode you know and another episode probably as well is like why it would be beneficial for you to write your um thesis your dissertation or whatever you call it uh or your what's it called yeah thesis thesis uh why it would be beneficial for you to write your thesis using um whatever a public tool and in the public domain and why it's also beneficial for me to write the rest of BBUIs in the public domain. And then when it's finished, remove it. Um, you know, that's not the plan. The plan is there's two chapters you can get for free just to get a feel for it. The rest you're going to have to pay for. But at the beginning, while I'm writing it and going back to writing, it, it's all going to be free because working in public is the best way to level up your stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and another, another episode of yeah, podcast. Totally. Uh, excited at the end of the episode the i've been told how to add a second blog to my micro blog and apparently the book site uses the lanyon theme with a tweak okay so it should work pretty well for other sites so i reckon i'm going to go and get the ulysses beta and figure and i i didn't have a button that said add second blog so i'm probably have to go back and say i'm missing that button but there we go okay Awesome. Well, it's good to be back in the um, in the running. And um, what I will do is uh, <laughs> write up these notes. Um, what I will do is um, I'll have a think about that. Design is everywhere. Um, you know the strap line that we talked about. Design is yeah, everywhere. Yeah, and in in uneducators, Adam Proctor and Chris Murphy um, travel to some of the places 
that design takes them. I like that. I quite like that. You know, I think it needs a little bit of work, but, you know, it's something like that. Yeah. So we're done. Thank you for listening. Um, I'm going to press stop too. Jesus, that was about one hour.